we're going to go ahead and finish up this message series on alive, alive. And today I want to talk to you a little bit about um, us asking God to revive our vision, revive our vision. We've talked about revive our worship. We talked about revive our prayer life. We've talked about revive our purity. Now, Lord, revive our vision, revive our vision. I believe that's even a theme for today, as we've talked about, you know, sometimes you, you go through life and you, you get lethargic and you get tired. And I'm not blaming you or blaming me for that. It's just we, we're in these human bodies and we have, uh, you know, we fight against a carnal mind. Um, and so sometimes we get tired. We get tired of people. Come on. We get tired of work. We get tired of fixing stuff. We get tired of, you know, cooking we get tired of picking up after people. We get tired of all kinds of things, right? And, uh, and, and we get run down and we get tired. But God is saying, guess what? You are still alive. You are still here. It's one of the things I love about the church. And I've said it. I'll just, I love to keep reemphasizing stuff. I know that you know these things, but I love to reemphasize it because God reemphasizes it to me. It's one of the things that I love about the church for all the flaws that the church has, the, the, the human church, I'm talking about you and I, for all the flaws that we have and all the hypocrisy that people say we have and all the, the focus on this message and that message and the grace message and finances and uh, looking down our nose at people, whatever people want to say about it, out of all of these things that people say, uh, you know, you can bring on a pandemic, you can bring on, uh, you know, social economic problems you can bring whatever you want to and guess what we are still here the church is still here black white otherwise amen whatever you want to name we are still here bound together by the blood of Jesus bound together by the blood of Christ that's a tie that binds amen and so in the, in the human, uh, in, in, you know, humanistic way, uh, of course, we have different cultures. We're different, uh, you know, whatever, man and woman, and we think differently. And, uh, you know, we come from different backgrounds and all of that. But the blood of Jesus ties us all together. And at the end of the day, I don't care what you say about the church, we still hear. We are still here. Jesus still rose from the grave. He's still seated at the right hand of the Father. We still have his name. Come on. I don't care if you're a prodigal and you're out there eating with the pigs. All you got to do is raise your head up and say, hang on a second. Hang on a second. It's better at my father's house. You still have his name. You haven't lost it. You just turned your back on it. And Jesus is right there saying, well, just turn around. Turn around, look, I'm here, I'm still here, and we are still here as the church, amen? And so God is telling us that to revive your vision. Some of us have had visions for our life, and we've had purposes for our life, and, and we've stumbled, and we've failed, and we've hit a brick wall, and, uh, you know, people have told us things about ourselves, and uh, we've had to pick ourselves up time and time again, and, uh, you know, we get flabbergasted. Right. We get, um, you know, we, we, we think it's all frivolity. We, uh, you know, we look around and say, what's it all for, Lord? We get that spirit of Solomon and Ecclesiastes. You know, what's it all for? It's like the wind, Lord. You know, but God is saying, listen, you are alive for such a time as this. And I am here today. God is saying to revive 
your vision. I want to talk to you a little bit about Zephaniah, the prophet. Remember, I've been talking about Josiah, the king, and uh, Zephaniah was a prophet at the time of Josiah. And Zephaniah was a voice for a generation. Zephaniah had a voice for a generation. Amen. And, uh, you know, in, in the first uh, verse of the first chapter, it talks about the word of the Lord came to Zephaniah, the son of Gedediah. Right. And uh, he, he had a word for that generation. And basically, what, one of the interesting things, if you read that whole book, and it's only three chapters of Zephaniah, one of the things you'll find out is that when we talk about vision, you know, vision is really the ability to see, but it's the ability to see with imagination and creativity. That's what vision is. Vision is not just the ability to see what's there, but it's the, it's the ability to look beyond and see with creativity, see with imagination, the imagination of God. Did you know that imagine is a God word? We already talked about the mind. Imagination and creativity is a God word. Look at what God did with the universe. Tell me God ain't creative. Look at what he did with you and me. Look around this room. Tell me God ain't creative. Come on. Some of us, he shined us up a little bit. Some of us, he curled us up a little bit, you know? Come on, tell me he ain't creative. That's a God word, creativity. Come on. And so... Zephaniah, but, but what he said was, you know, we talk about vision and you talk about looking beyond. The first thing Zephaniah is really in the theme of it is look within first. That's why we had to talk about purity before we could talk about vision. Because Zephaniah is saying, first, look within. Before you look way out there and way down the road and, and, and all of those things, look within. Clean your house. <laughs> this house. Come on. Clean this house up. Get this house clean. And then once you do that, look around you, right? I know that we have an international ministry in terms of we have churches over in the Philippines. And, uh, you know, we, we support a church uh, over in Fiji. Amen. And, you know, this, this ministry has been to a lot of places. Uh, you know, we've been to Haiti some years ago and, uh, you know, done some work over there. We've been to Romania all right, Mexico, different places all around the world. But Zephaniah would warn us, first of all, you need to look around you. Who in your family do you need to minister to? Come on. Who on your job do you need to talk to and minister to? You know, people all around the world, you might be on Zoom and you might be on whatever it, whatever it is, a FaceTime talking to people all around the world. But what about the person right next to you? What do they see in you? Do they see Christ in you? And so Zephaniah is saying, first, look within and then look around you. Then, thirdly, look beyond. Then you can look beyond. Verse 12, he said, and it shall come to pass at that time I will search Jerusalem, God said. Watch this now. With lamps. I'm going to be looking. And I'm going to punish the men who are settled. Watch this. Listen to me. Who are settled in complacency. Who say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do evil. God's not good or evil. It just is what it is. So you thought that phrase, it is what it is, was just a harmless phrase. But when it comes to God, he don't like it. He don't like it. Use my very best English. He don't like it. It is what it is. We say that, but God said, no, it's not that. It is what it is. I'm great. I'm mighty. I, I, not only did I, I, I create, uh, you know, the universe, but, I, but what I created, I have control over I parted the Red Sea. I stopped time. 
right? I did all of these things. And guess what else? I gave my life for you. I saved you. I am a mighty God. Tell me it is what it is. It is that I'm neither good nor evil. God looking for you if you're saying that. He looking for you. You ever heard that before? Come somebody come say so. I'm so looking for you. <laughs> you say, am I supposed to be scared? Well, this time, if it's God, he's looking for you. He's looking for you. So Zephaniah is telling us, look, look, be, look, get yourself together. We talked about the purity. We're talking about looking around us. And now he's saying for you, I have something for you that is greater than what you have for yourself. For yourself. Come on. In, in, in verse 15 and 16 of Zephaniah 1, it says, That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of devastation and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and alarm against the fortified cities and against the high towers. What is he saying right here? You're saying you, you, you're preaching a lot of doom and gloom to be talking about vision. Here's what I'm saying. Here's what God is saying. All those people that bring things against you, I'm about to clear a path for you. I'm, it's going to be a, a day of distress for all of those who've been talking bad about you, who have who have who have built a wall that you uh, you know you can't get over, who have who have put a uh, you know put a stumbling block in your path. He's saying, I am going to bring blow the trumpet because I am going to bring a, a day of distress against them, against their high towers, and I'm going to begin to bring them down. And then that way, watch this, you'll be able to see. Because what's happening is, uh, you know, when we go through what we're going through right now, all we see is what's in front of us. I'm telling you, I, even when I, I leave church sometimes, and I'm on my way home, what I see are gas prices. Come on, because everywhere you look, you're looking at gas prices, and when I turn on the news, I see problems and economic problems and COVID up and down, and people say it's rising, and, and, and you people arguing over stuff, and all I see is that. And God said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow a wind, and I'm going to clear a way that you're going to be able to see. I'm going to revive your vision that you're going to be able to look past, above, and past all of the clouds of darkness that are all around us, and you're going to be able to see me and see what I am doing and see that I live in eternity and see that I see the end from the beginning and see that I already have a plan for you and for your life. You're going to be able to see that. Part of our problem is that we can't see. We can't see. We don't have the vision. We're not allowing God to revive our vision. And part of the problem there is we don't understand fully who God is and how much he loves us. Because if you're like me, you'll look in the mirror and say, I've made a few mistakes in my life. Even recently, you know, I'm not all that I should be. Maybe I don't pray as much as I should. I don't read his word as much as I should. I, I said some things I shouldn't say. Why? Would God love me? But let me just tell you the depth and the breadth of God's love. In verse 17 of Zephaniah 1, God says this, and he puts it this way. It, the, the, Zephaniah puts it this way. 
He says that God, in all of that, you're saying, God, I can't believe it. Guess what's happening? And on my job and my marriage and COVID and all of this stuff is going on and uh, things are going on in the world and, uh, you know, on the news and all of that. And the Bible says, Zephaniah said, God quiets you with his love. Verse 17, he quiets you with his love. I know, I know all that. I knew it from the beginning. When I created Adam and created Eve out of the rib, I knew COVID would be here today. I already knew. So, and then what's amazing is, read it. It says, he sings over you. He sings over you. Can you believe that God, with all of your flaws, that God sings over you? He delights in you. He'll calm you with his love and his delight. He will sing and be joyful over you. Not because of what you have done or what you haven't done, but just because you're you and he created you. For a moment today, I want you to settle that in your heart. No matter what the enemy tells you, God loves you. God loves you. Yes, and I know it's a cliche, but just because it's a cliche doesn't make it true. God loves you just the way you are, and he loves you too much to leave you that way. Come on. But he loves you. You don't have to do anything else to gain God's love. Anything God does, whether he chastises you, whether he convicts you, whether he corrects you, all of that is to make you better. It's not to make him love you. He already loves you. Watch this. And he loves you with an extravagant love. He loves you with the love that doesn't say, I want something from you, but I want to give everything of myself to you. Ephesians 5.1. Read it in the message version. I, I, I don't want something from you, but I want to give everything to you. That's the love that God has for you. So do not fear. Do not let your hands be weak. Come on. God is going to revive your vision. He's clearing a path for you to be able to see. And we can trust him and we can rely on him. Why? Well, let me give you, <laughs> I'm just laughing at myself. Let me give you nine reasons why. I like all these points. At least it's not 32 points, you know, it could be 32. It's just nine. Let me give you nine reasons why. Very simple, very simple. If you look over in, in Zephaniah, chapter 3 is what we're talking about. He talks about singing over you. He talks about, um, you know, quieting you with his love. He talks about all of these things. In fact, let's just, let's just read here uh, at verse 8 of Zephaniah, chapter 3. If you have your Bible, go over there with me. If you have, uh, you know, your, your device or your phone or whatever you might have. Uh, come over here with me to Zephaniah chapter 3, and let's read in uh, verse 8 and 9, and then we're going to skip down a little bit, amen, and read some more. Bible says uh, in verse three, in verse 8, uh, therefore wait for me, declares the Lord, therefore wait for me, says the Lord, until the day I rise up for plunder, my determination is to gather the nations to my assembly of kingdoms to pour out my indignation, all my fierce anger. Here's what, let me just, because I'm not reading the whole chapter, I'm not giving you the whole background. Here's, here's what he's saying. Take this in your heart. You know, you've, been, you've gone through a lot. 
You're going through a lot. People are coming against you. The enemy is sending people, has sent, and is continuing to send people and things uh, against you. But he's saying, uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just calm down and I want you to wait for me. Wait for me, declares the Lord. Then it says, all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. For will restore to the peoples a pure language, purity that they all may call on the name of the Lord to serve him with one accord, to serve him with one accord. Amen. Let's skip down to verse 14. Verse 14 uh, puts it this way. Zephaniah, go ahead to the next one. Uh, it says, sing, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel, be glad and rejoice with all of your heart, O Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your judgments. The Lord has taken away your judgments. He cast out your enemy. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. Keep going. You shall see disaster no more. This is a word from the Lord. Somebody said something about a prophet earlier. Somebody said something about prophesying. You shall see disaster no more. In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, do not fear, Zion. Let not your hands be weak. The Lord your God is in your midst. The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you. Not just that he's going to sing over you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. I will gather those who sorrow over the appointed assembly who are among you, to whom its reproach is a burden. Behold, at that time, I will deal with all who afflict you. <laughs> I will save the lame and gather those who were driven out. I will appoint them for praise and fame in every land where they were put to shame. At that time, I will bring you back. Even at the time I gather you, for I will give you fame and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I return your captives before your eyes, says the Lord. God has a word for you this morning. He has a word of hope for you this morning. And here are nine reasons why you can believe him. First of all, we have to understand, number one, that my God is with me. My God is with me. Verse 17 said, the Lord your God is with you. He's with you. Yesterday we were at a uh, Kairos meeting because we're getting ready to go into a prison ministry here in October. We're going to talk about a little bit more about that in the, in the coming weeks. But uh, there's a prison ministry that was, you know, stymied uh, because of COVID. Uh, but this is the first time in, in two and a half years we're able to go back into the prison and minister to these men in Putnamville. And uh, we were having a meeting about it yesterday, our first formation. And uh, one of the things that we do in our first formation is we recount the story or the poem of Footprints. Most of us would know the, the footprint poem where, you know, that you, you look back and you saw two sets of footprints and it was you and the Lord. And then all of a sudden, uh, when your life became hardest, you only saw one set of footprints. And you said, God, why did you leave me, you know, at that time? And God said, well, I didn't leave you. That's when I was carrying you. Most of us would know that. And um, 
God is telling you that, listen, uh, if, if there's a moment in your life where you don't believe that I'm with you, just understand that's a footprint moment in your life. It's a footprint moment in your life. I am absolutely 100% with you. I'm forming you and I'm shaping you and I'm strengthening you. I am with you. He is the life giver. He's the one who brings all things to pass. He is the performer of promises, absolute, unchangeable one. He will be all that is necessary and all that needs to arise. God will be for us. Elohim, he is the mighty one. God is with you. And so you say, well, God, you're with me. That's great. Uh, but how does that help me? The reason why it helps me is because, number two, my God is a mighty warrior. My God is a mighty warrior. Now, you might look back and say, well, Jesus was like a lamb led to the slaughter, and he didn't say anything, and he kept his mouth shut and all those things. And, and because of those things, you might think, well, you know, Jesus, uh, you know, he's, he's a little soft because, uh, you know, he just let them do whatever they wanted to do. Uh, but what we need to understand is that Jesus is not soft. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Jesus, Jesus is the lion of Judah. Come on. And he has a mighty roar. Jesus is the lion of Judah. All he did, he did uh, as a self-sacrifice. Nobody took anything from Jesus. They didn't sneak up on him and say, we're going to snatch you and take you and crucify you. They wanted to weeks before. But they couldn't until he said, now it's time because I'm going to redeem my people. My God is a mighty warrior. Also in verse 17, it says the mighty one will save. Not the humble one. Not the timid one. Not the meek one. But the mighty one will save. And then number three, we have to understand this. Believe this. Believe this, folks. My God takes delight in me. Some of you don't believe that this morning. But God is here to tell you that he takes delight in you. He takes delight in you. And if you want to start talking about, well, I'm not this and I'm not that. And here's, I said these things and, you know, I fall short in these areas. He don't, listen, he already knows that he made you. What makes you think he don't know what areas you fall short in and where you have failed and what you look like? He, he knows all of those things, but despite all of that, he takes delight in you because he made you and he loves you. It's just like a, a, a little baby. If a baby were able to talk and tell uh, its mother all the things that's wrong with it, what do you think the mother would say? Shh, be quiet. I made you. You came from me. I know everything about you. I know more about you than you know about yourself. And that's true with a, a mother and a baby. She know every intimate thing. I mean, my wife, when my kids were babies, my wife knew every little spot on the back of the baby toe and the whatever. They know everything. God knows everything about you. And he delights in you. And then God gives me new life by his love. He renews you by his love. He will calm you with his love. You will rest in his love. He says, quiet. He will silence you. Come on. Not take action. Don't take action. Be still. No need to make a move or do anything. First, hear from God. Hear from God first. He'll tell you what to do. God's love is so powerful over us and working for us that we need to be at peace. I'm talking about in your spirit. I'm not talking about 
you know, there, there are times when God calls us to action. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about turmoil in your spirit where you're just stressed out and it's causing a bunch of itises in your life. Come on, it's causing pain and inflammation because you're so stressed out. God is saying, I'm going to quiet you with my love. Relax and know that I have things in control. And you can believe, God is saying, that I will protect you. My God will protect you. He raises a hedge about you. You know, he said, I'll deal with all those who afflict you. I'll deal with your oppressors. I will undo the plans that are against you. I'll get rid of all of those who make life miserable for you. We're going to talk about it next week because he gave us his name. Nothing's as powerful as that. Nothing is as powerful as that. Nothing is as powerful as that. Amen. And then my God restores my walk. He restores my walk because the Bible says I, I, will, I will save the lame. You might be thinking, well, I, I think I walk okay, but I'm talking about in your spirit. We get lame in spirit sometimes. We do. We get down and we get lame. And he says, I'm going to restore your walk. I'm going to restore your spiritual walk. And this is not about, uh, this, this is not about, uh, you know, a pride that we have in us. This is not about an arrogance, but it's about glorifying God in us. And he's going to begin to restore your walk. He's going to restore your walk. And, and you're not going to have any fear. I didn't give you the spirit of fear. But when you walk in the room, you bring in love to everybody around you. You're bringing my salvation to everybody around you with confidence. I'm going to restore your walk. Don't you walk with your head down. You walk with your head up because my God is with you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? There is no name in all of the earth whereby men will be saved, but the name of Jesus, and I have given you my name. You walk with your head up. Not an arrogant walk, but it is, I'm proud of my God. I'm proud of God because he loves me. He'll restore your walk. He'll restore your walk. And my God, thank God, restores prodigals. You know, if you haven't been where you should be, Maybe you're like I've been in my life at times when I've been a pastor where I just haven't been where I want to be spiritually. And I don't even know why. Things have distracted me and I've got caught up with so many other things and I just haven't been where I wanted to be. Or maybe you've gone all the way. The old folks used to call it backsliding. Maybe you turned your back and you think, oh, well, God's done with me now. Because I really hurt him. See, the thing is, you think he's like a man or a woman. Because when you offend a man or a woman like that, they don't want to have nothing else to do with you. Right? That, that's the way we do each other. That's the way we do each other sometimes. Sometimes it's justified. <laughs> but that's the way we do each other. God doesn't do you like that. God's out at, by the roadside every day looking to see if you're coming back. Is she there? She there? Okay. She, maybe she'll be here tomorrow. She there? She there? Right? Just waiting every single day, waiting for you to that day. You say, hold on a second. I'm sitting there eating with these pigs. And in my father's house, the servants are treated better than this. I'll go and be a servant. I don't even want to be a son or a daughter. I want to be a servant. Then you go back there and God said, come on now. Come on. 
You're my son. You're my daughter. I know what you did. It's all right. You didn't lose that. All you got to do is come back. He restores prodigals. He's a great restorer. He doesn't love for prodigals to go away, but he loves when they come back. He loves to restore prodigals. Come on. And then uh, number eight, God restores honor over my life. I was talking with a friend yesterday, and he was talking about how uh, he went through a situation in his life where some things happened and some accusations were made and things came against him and his family, and it just was embarrassing. I don't know if you've ever had a time like that in your life, especially when you're right, but it, it doesn't always have to be when you're right. But especially when you're in the right and you feel like I haven't done anything wrong and people talking about you and expose things that are not true maybe in your life. And it's embarrassing because people, you know how people are. They just go with the flow. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. And you say, no, you know me. Oh, yeah, I don't know. This is evidence, I don't know. So-and-so said, what, because it's on social media, you're going to believe it? Right? I don't know if you've ever been through anything like that in your life. I have. And you're embarrassed and you lose your honor. And God is here this morning to say that I am a God that restores honor. I restore honor. I put you back into the place where you should be, where you have respect. You have the respect of God and you have the respect of man, mankind. I mean, not just males. You have the respect of humans. God, somebody here needs to hear this. God is restoring your honor. He is restoring your honor. And then lastly, my God restores my eyes to see all of his goodness. I'm telling you, a wind, a wind is coming. You know, we like to talk about a wind of change, but God is just blowing a breath, a pneuma, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit. Uh, we'll look at it as a revival, but it's not even so much a revival. It's just that God is, is beginning to clear the path so that we who know God will be able to see him for who he really is. We'll, we'll, we'll be able to stop asking questions. Where is God? Where is God in all of this? What is he doing in all of this? The, the answers are going to become clear in the coming days. And, the, you know, David said, I would have lost heart if it wasn't, if I didn't understand that I was going to see the goodness of the Lord. Not when I get to heaven, but in the land of the living. Folks, listen. We're not, just, we're not just occupying. We're not just occupying a spot until Jesus comes back. This is what I want to leave you with. We're not just occupying a spot until Jesus comes back. But he's going to restore your vision, and you're going to see his goodness in the land of the living. Now, in now time, now faith. Come on. Now, God is, is restoring us now. After all of that, I'm going to throw this little thing on it. Because we know, very famous, well-known passage in Chronicles. We know it. And God has, starts out with a small word that is so big. It says, if. Chronicles 7:14, If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves. I want to say so much more, but I'm not going to say that. Will humble themselves and seek my face and pray. Then, from where I am in heaven, from where I am on my throne, I will hear it. 
I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. So we, out of all of this, we have a part to play. We have a part to play in it. So out of all of the word that we get, you, and you might say, well, you know, uh, Pastor Mike, uh, you know, said this word was a prophetic word from Zephaniah. And I heard this other one over here said they the prophet. And they, they were prophesying about all the things that God was going to do. And God didn't do it. Guess what? If God didn't do it, it wasn't that God didn't do it. Where's the mirror? I can't see myself. Where's the mirror? We, we got a part to play in it, folks. We have a part to play. You have a part to play in your own success. You have a part to play in your own purpose. You have a part to play in your vision that you have for your life. But I believe with these things, it'll be easier for us to play our part, knowing that God is with us and knowing that God restores us. He restores our honor, knowing that God fights for us, knowing that God protects us, knowing all of those things in our heart. Now we can say, okay, God, Okay, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to do what you said. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to seek your face, and I'm going to pray. Because I know that you are a mighty warrior. I know that you are with me. I know that you're restoring honor over my life. I know that you are the mighty one. I know all of these things about you. Therefore, I can now surrender all and seek your face and pray. God, restore my vision. Restore my vision.